Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Hi, this is Betsy. Do you happen to be in a major life shift or transformation? It might look like a job shift, a divorce, empty nesting. Maybe you've had a diagnosis that has shocked you in the past year. Perhaps you've lost people in your life to death. Maybe you're just living through the pangs of midlife. It might also be a little more subtle, just this sense that you feel trapped or as if your life is no longer really fitting you, that something is missing. So over the course of the next six months, I am teaching an in-depth program called Reclaim, the Heroine's Journey. It's a chance to sort of dive deeper into the parts of yourself that you've detached from and reclaim them so that you can become essentially a more integrated person. We're going to use the six months, the darkest time of the year, actually, to do shadow work, inner child work, hypnosis, yoga, meditation, self-contemplation, journaling, all in the support of a group and having me as a guide. If this is something you would like to check out, uh, it starts in just a couple days, but of course, everything is recorded, so you can join whenever you're able to. In the show notes, you'll find the link for finding out more about this upcoming program, Reclaim the heroine's journey. In today's episode, we are going to talk about perfectionism. We got an email from a listener who left her job in this past year. She wrote to us and said, I've spent a lot of time this summer reflecting and investigating what socialized me to care about my role as a professional more than my role as a wife, a friend, family member, musician, person. It's kind of always been that way. Crippling perfectionism. Straight A's, burnout, wearing the insane schedule and to-do list as some messed up badge of honor. And once I had my son, I just didn't have the energy for it anymore. My opinion of myself as a mom was finally more important than what other people thought of my work. So when we, when we got that, we thought, wow, that really struck a chord with both of us. We know perfectionism is a cultural phenomenon for many women. And so we decided today to delve into it. So here and we are. And we were both laughing because we pulled, each of us pulled <laughs> like four books off of our shelves about perfectionism and we brought them today. And yeah. <laughs> Kate said to me, clearly maybe we have issues with perfectionism <laughs> if we have every book ever yeah. written by it. We have a library here. We have a library about perfectionism. Yeah. As you were reading, um, part of that email from a listener that the piece that jumped out at me right away, you know, I'd read that email myself, but as you were speaking it out loud, um, that last sentence is, you know, she finally, uh, sort of realized her opinion of herself was more important than what other people thought of her. And I think that this is one of the core pieces of perfectionism is we have such a desire to be seen in a good way by other people. And so there's a real fear of what other people think of us, which drives 
this need to do everything perfect. Right. It's, yeah. it, it's so in line with the idea of rewilding um, because that really is letting go of those yeah. concerns and cares and focusing more inward and returning to yourself um, because if we're always looking for the external encouragement, the external cues, the external yeah. rewards, um, we are, have literally left ourselves um, in an effort to find success in everyone else's eyes except our own. Yeah. It takes me back to the episode we just did too on grief where you were sharing when you were going through a really hard time, you made the conscious choice to not talk to too many people about it and to actually really just listen in. And this feels like a very similar thread today that we have to be willing to really tune in and feel into what we need versus what we believe other people desire for us. And, and again, I think that's why perfectionism is so crippling because there's a thousand opinions about from many, many sources and often people that we really love and care for mom and dad want us to be this way. Our partner wants us to be this way. Our kids want us to be this way. And perfectionists really feel the, the pull and the tug to, to meet everyone's high expectations as well as their own high expectations. Right. And because, yeah, they do become internal expectations to be, to be perfect in all areas of your life and look like you have everything together and, yeah. And it's, I love too, that she shares, it just becomes exhausting. Like, yes, it's not sustainable. Yeah. And I think that's important to say it's not sustainable. So at some point the burnout will happen. The illness will happen. The breakdown will happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it will be later in life. It often is. Yeah. But, um, I don't think we have to wait for that. And right. I, I want fewer women to wait for that. Right. And I think what makes perfectionism so slippery and at least it has for me in my life. And in a moment, we're going to both kind of share our perfectionistic stories um, is that early on uh, you get a lot of accolades from perfectionism. You do a good job. You do well. You're the bright shining star. You get a lot of positive feedback, which then is reinforcing and keeps us in the pattern of high achieving. So I agree that sometimes Perfectionism is also sometimes termed an addiction, right? Because we get addicted to the praise or the positive feedback that it, that I think the ramifications and the downside of perfectionism does show up later. Right. 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 And we're going to talk about some of those things too. Yeah. All right, Kate, tell (sighs) us about your, your story (laughs) in perfectionism. (laughs) Oh, this was talk really, about our vulnerability. I this know. podcast keeps throwing us into. Well, let me give you another layer yes. of my humanness. Yes. Well, I I know that school for me, organized school for me, was when it all started. I was I, I've talked about this before. I was somewhat of a wild child. I, I was kind of a tomboy. I spent a lot of time outdoors. I, you know, did you go against bones. your parents' rules? Like, did you like? You know, like if they set rules, did you push back? Uh, I think, I, yeah, I think I was like, I, my grandfather loved the word ornery and oh. that described me, I think early on. That's fascinating. Cause I yeah. wouldn't have ever necessarily thought that. Yeah. So I, I, um, I think then I got into organized school and all of a sudden, you know, Catherine, your penmanship is very nice and you got an A on this, you know report or you got an A on this project. And, um, I started to see, oh, this is, I'm supposed to perform. 
Mm-hmm. And it felt you, good. It feels oh, good when feels people good. Yeah. slap you on the back or pat you on the back or the head and yeah. say, oh, you're But early on, great. I really developed a fear of not meeting their expectations. And I had wonderful teachers um, uh, that I can still think of. But the system itself rewards the A and rewards perfectionism and not make, not missing a, a point, not um, failing to turn things in. And so I got very wrapped up in that as mm-hmm. um, this is where I'm going to excel. So not only for you was it accolades around school and sports and all of that, but I think, don't you think girls get conditioned to that when they follow the rules and they're quiet and they mm-hmm. don't, you know, they're not loud in the classroom. They also get a lot of positive reinforcement for that. Absolutely. There's a great podcast about how um, we, we don't have a lot of young women. It's still challenging to get young women to go into STEM, things like computer, um, software engineering, programming, things like that. And there's this theory that young girls are taught to be uh, perfect, perfect, and our young boys we teach to be brave. Mm. So we say to our daughters, don't climb too high, don't, you know, be careful, be careful, don't rip be careful. that dress, don't rip your dress. Yeah. And with boys, oh, they're just being a boy, right? They're, they're, look how look brave Look at those they wild are. boys. Look how brave he is. Yeah. He just climbs all the way to the top. And so, um, I think then, you know, computer software engineering is all about reiterating, making a mistake, going back and fixing it, making a mistake. And we as women, young girls don't, that doesn't, that's very uncomfortable. We're not used to making mm. mistakes. So there's this theory that a lot, it's not a profession women enter because of our perfectionist tendencies. Wow. Now, computer engineering was not around when I was in elementary school, but cursive writing was, and I was really good at cursive writing. Lots of stars. Yes, lots of stars. But I do, and I I can remember like the two times I got in trouble in school, right? So can I. Two times. And oh my God, I thought the world was going to end. Mine was one time. Oh, you just had one. <laughs> I'm just trying to prove my perfectionism <laughs> over you, Kate. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but don't they stick out? It yeah. sticks out. Clear as um, day. Yeah. So, and I, you know, I was in a small school. I did lots of things. And in a small school, you know, a lot less competition really for being involved in things, but also just excelling. It was just a smaller pond. And so I, I found success in all of the traditional things, the schoolwork, the athletics, you know, the plays, because I was able to take part in a lot of those. And so I, yeah, I feel like I found a lot of success, but I got to my senior year and it was kind of this end of my high school career, grade points were added up and I was one point shy of being valedictorian. Oh. And that felt like huge failure. There was my friend Bonnie, who was so smart and so wonderful. And I was, I was happy for her, but I felt but like that was, that was like the pinnacle. one point. Yeah. And, mm. and so, um, and it was probably more like a decimal point when I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> There's my perfectionism. Um, point two. <laughs> yeah. It was point two behind <laughs> Bonnie. I'll never forget it. Yeah. And, um, and that felt like the ending of this whole period of success, right? That Mm. was like, you know, that's like the final moment of graduation. So yeah, those things stick out to me when I, 
not all the, the times that I found success. It's like the times where I didn't measure up or like the, the bigger memories. Learning yeah. points. Yeah. Okay. So I'm you? also curious though about, do you, did you feel that in high school you were pushing yourself to achieve because of an internal desire to improve or because of what other people would think of you? Very much what other people would yeah. think of me. Um, I, I, there were times, you know, because I was involved in so much too, I, I wasn't even sure what I loved. Like I was just out for everything. Like, yeah, I was like, do I, do I love I'm, I'm cheerleading. Why, why am I doing cheerleading? Well, because that's what I should do. That's what people expect expected me. me to do. Um, I didn't really love that mm. um, looking back, but I wasn't tuned into what I wanted mm. or what made me feel yeah. successful. I was tuned into, okay, this is the next thing. There's another play I should try out because I'm, it's an expectation yeah. of others that I will. Um, yeah. And, and I enjoyed a lot of it. Yes. But it, I was, there was no internal compass telling me this is yeah. where you find joy. It was just. Well, and what's interesting to me is that there is a difference between high achievement and perfectionism. And there is some research on this that high achievement doesn't result in the negative ramifications like poor mental health or addiction or, you know, eating disorders but the difference is that high achievement comes from an internal drive for personal self-betterment, whereas perfectionism is all about what will everyone think. Yeah. I'm doing this simply because of what people think. And I'm just thinking about myself, too. And there did come a switch for me. And I think it's probably when I started to study psychology that it did become more of a, I find this fascinating. I love to be yeah. in the library studying this. I love researching this. So it was more internally driven, but prior to that, yeah, there's a lot of things that I only did because I believed it would look good or this is what people would want of me or they would expect me to do this. And college is kind of built for that exploration. Yeah. I think there's yeah. freedom and independence in, in that period in your life when you can kind of say, oh, what is it I want to learn more about? And there's a self-discovery that definitely happened for me in college and I, I, um, I found success in college, but that's when you realize I do well in things that I like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I should pursue things I like. So yeah, I, I, I do wonder sometimes if just the way our systems are built, our school systems that for, for girls there, I think there's an inherent, um, built in system to promote perfectionism. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So how about you? True. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this and, and, you know, I think you and I had a lot of similarities in that I stepped into the role of being the good girl and, you know, following all the rules. And in fact, the memory I have of getting in trouble, I might've shared this on this podcast was third grade, Mrs. Deal. And it was one of those stupid worksheets that's all about reading directions. And then it's like, make the straight line, color it purple, put dots. And I was so excited to do it. And so I didn't read all the directions. I just jumped in. And then, of course, the, the 19th direction is do none of the above. And so I'm like halfway through and, and I got in trouble for it. It was my like exuberance for learning. <laughs> I was so excited that I jumped in. But she like made a example out of me yeah. and actually sent me to the coat room 
And I had to sit out there with Jory Brass, my other, like, <laughs> who was also this little gifted boy yeah. who had jumped right in as well. And I remember I was devastated. I mean, I was almost to the point of like panic, hyperventilating, oh. tears, just I was split open, right, by making this mistake. And again, so interesting that I wish I would have had an adult normalize, like, it's okay to make mistakes. Right. It's okay. Not teaching, a problem. Yeah. We should be teaching, and, and many do now, resilience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's you okay. made that mistake. You made a mistake. It's all yeah. right. You were really excited about this. So, but my uh, memory of, my, I think the ideal uh, example of my perfectionism as a child was I would get spelling lists. So this had to also oh, be like second, third lists. grade, right? Yeah. And I would go into the living room where my dad was reading the paper or reading something and say, dad, give me the spelling list. And I would get every single word correct. And then I would go into the kitchen and say, mom, give me the spelling list. Well, didn't your dad just give it to you and you got them all right? Yeah, give it to me again. It's like I couldn't rest. And so my parents would give me the spelling list three, four times, even though I knew all, I knew every right. word. So that was a big running joke of like, Betsy, in the spelling Betsy list. needs to like, <laughs> but I think there was fear. And so like, as I have dove a little bit into perfectionism and sort of what it means, you know, there's also like Brene Brown is the one who said that underneath perfection, shame is always lurking. Yeah. And so I'm really thinking about that little girl and what shame she was carrying um, and how the perfectionism was like what she used to protect herself. Right. So the accomplishments, the A's, the the positive feedback from everyone kept her own sort of shame and fear and doubt at bay, right? Yeah, so my perfectionism for sure was all throughout high school, all throughout grade school, all throughout high school. I remember also a very benign statement that my mom made to me at one point in time, which went in wrong for me. She said to me, Betsy, you are a leader and people watch you. Which there was probably truth in that. Absolutely. Yeah, but how on. But how it landed for me was that I have to be perfect every moment in the grocery store, at the gas tank, in choir, at piano lessons, in the gym, at church, everywhere. I have to be perfect. It's almost like, you know, not only was also I was raised in quite a religious household. God's, God's watching. watching down, right? So you <laughs> yeah. better be perfect from that angle. But then the community, other kids, people are watching you. And because it was a pretty small enclosed community, there was also truth in that, that you know, people knew your people business. were, yeah. people knew your business. So I took that to the nth degree of like, well, if people are watching me and people are, I'm a leader and I'm an example, then I better just do it perfectly. And, you know, I, as I look back, I, you know, that was a horrible space to live in, yeah. a straight jacket of perfectionism and no space to find yourself, no space to be who you were, um, no space to make mistakes, no space to explore, no space to oh. try new things. Um, you could only do what you were good at. 
So I do think I started to come out of it a little bit more in college and then definitely in graduate school. But, um, you know, if perfection is an addiction, which it's not in the DSM like that, but, um, you know, Marion Woodman, who's a, a Jungian analyst, she wrote that, you know, she thinks at the root of eating disorder, substance abuse, and any other addictive behavior is, you know, this perfectionism. And it it stems from this feeling of like, I'm not fully fulfilled. And so I think for me, um, if I conceptualize perfectionism as a bit of an addiction, addictions are something that never go away. You just manage for the rest of your life, right? Like you're sort of in recovery for it. So like I think of myself as a recovered perfectionist, but there are still things that pop up for me, Kate, in my adult life, right? There are still things that I'm like, oh, I'm not going to hand that over to someone else to do that because they won't do it the right way. Or, you know, my kids put the dishes away and I have to redo how they're put in the dishwasher, right? Like, that's perfectionism. And so I catch myself more, but I would probably be not fully authentic right now. If I said, I still don't have strains of perfectionism that pop up for me. Well, and it's, it's deeply rooted in us. So deeply. Many, many of us. And so it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't just, you don't just recover from it and say, I used to be. Yeah. I think it, I think it, it rears its head at different times. Yeah. Usually, I think, cu- coupled sometimes with anxiety or yeah. whatever maybe yeah. is going on and feeling the need to control, yeah. which we all have often a sense yeah. of needing to control things, especially when everything feels so out of control. It almost, the rest, you know, things you can't control, what can I control? Yeah. I'm going to control that. Um, I do feel, I'm curious what you would say to this. I do feel less, and maybe this is just middle age, I I care less what people think than I used to, but that is also fairly new. I mean, and it's not that I don't care at all. Cause of course I st- still, which is so ridiculous because like who, <laughs> like if you were to say, well, who, who tell me the people I'm like, I don't know. I just, I just care, you know, what people think of what I, what I'm doing. And like, okay. But can we just acknowledge that yes. social media and yeah, the way we present ourselves to the world I mean, we didn't have any of that when we were growing up. Yeah. And we were still perfectionists. And we still cared what people thought. And we cared what people thought. But now, you know, it's not waiting to see someone in the grocery store. Now we see them, right? We see them online. We see them on social media. And so there's There's more immediate feedback. Immediate feedback, immediate comparison. Um, I think that's so challenging for like our girls growing up. It's this whole other layer. Yeah. um, That we didn't have. Yeah. And yeah. it was hard on us. Look at yeah. what it must be and, like And for even them. us as women now navigating that world of, mm-hmm. well, you have to put yourself out there and everybody kind of has this image. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think I'm with you. I think you get to an age where you're just like, I, I, I got to, I, I, I feel myself letting go of this, yeah. of some of it, yeah. but I don't know that you ever totally let go of all of it. And yeah. That's okay yeah. too. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to believe that someday you can let go of it. I am so not close to that. But um, my teacher, Deepak Chopra, once said that the mark of a sort of enlightened human is someone who 
does not care about positive feedback and does not care about negative feedback. So like anyone can say anything bad about you and it doesn't ruffle your feathers. And likewise, someone can give you the most beautiful compliment of your life and it doesn't really impact your perception of self. It's like you're so solid and who you are, that it doesn't matter if you get positive or negative feedback. And I, when you said that, I was always like, wow, is that ever something, you know? Yeah. Something that I'm like, I'm going to strive for that. Of course, there's the perfectionism again. Right. 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 I can get to I mean, because of course, enlightened, enlightened states are just continually uh, releasing and a letting go and a surrendering and a, you know, non-striving in many ways. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is the counter to perfectionism. Um, to be able to surrender. Yeah. And, and so I think the more we practice that and talk about it and, and be, a, have awareness around it. Um, I have one of the many books sitting on our thing right now is present over perfect by Shauna. Mm. And it's a lot about living in the moment and um, how that can help you with perfectionism because um, when we're in the moment, we're not worrying about, um, we're actually not even worrying about recording something or, you know, yeah. taking a photo or, or, you know, we're just in the moment yeah. and, um, there's true joy. And when we, when you can live that way in being present. So, um, it's, it's yeah. kind of a way of living that allows some of the perfectionism too to like start to dissipate because you're just living differently and you're, right. you're, walking through the world differently. You're right, because I guess, as you're saying, this perfectionism really is a, a future-oriented sort of perspective. Like, if I can only do this right, then people are going to say good things or, you know, think well of me. Right. Or it's a past thought pattern of like, well, I really messed up in third grade. I'm not getting over that incident, right? Like, yeah. whereas, like, maybe the bomb for perfectionism is I'm here in this moment, just showing up in this moment. Yeah. Right. Truly as myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And anxiety is living in the future and depression, yeah, depression living is living in the past. In the past. So exactly. The mindfulness piece and being present piece really, really is, I think, the bomb. Yeah. To this. I think another bomb um, is this letting go of, of comparison. Yeah. Right. And again, social media, man, doesn't that do a doozy to us? Mm-hmm. I think everyone's life is way more glamorous and shiny than your own. Right. And that comparison mindset, keeping up with the Joneses, where we all fall into that trap. Oh, 100 percent. But essentially, I, I always think about this. How how do you really compare Kate Moreland to Betsy Rippentrop? Right. It's like it's impossible. It's like apples to oranges. I mean, we're all yeah, we're all made from the same stuff. Like we're all the ocean. We all have the same ingredients. But how do you compare one individual wave to another wave? Right. We're all they're all different. Right. You you can't. There's not one that's the same. Right. Um, so I think that's where we get stuck is that we all do contain the same elements, the same makeup, the same emotions, the same, you know, feeling states. But, but we all, manifest different so absolutely. uniquely. And we've had unique experiences. Yeah. We've had unique traumas, all kinds yes. of things that have shaped how we show up in our life. But don't you think part of it is the less you know yourself, the more you're going to compare yourself to others because you're going to try to be something you're not or measure up to other people or be, 
you know, there's a jealousy piece of wanting to be like somebody else and trying to morph into that or ship, you know, shape shifting can be a huge mm-hmm. part of perfectionism. Like you have to be one way with certain groups and another yeah. way with someone else. Yeah. yeah. And so you're, the more I think we return to ourselves and understand what makes me, me and appreciate the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it about myself, yeah. the more confident we are. And this is who I am. And I will show up in the world as me. Yeah. Not as someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I do think with perfectionism, if, if you really are, you know, stuck in the throes of it, you don't know who you are because you're constantly trying to shape and be what other people need you to be or what's going to create some kind of positive feedback. So essentially, if you follow that perfectionist path for a long time, then you do have sort of this black hole (laughs) inside of you. You don't know who you are. You don't know what your soul is. You don't know what you want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then we start making decisions because we think this is what other people would want us to do yeah, or what society deems appropriate. Yes. I agree. This is so tied into our theme of the wild woman because the wild woman, she's on a quest for herself. She's on a quest to figure out who she is no matter what. Yeah. I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a, a freedom and a courage. There's such a courage that wild, that wild woman archetype of like, I am on a mission to, yeah. to figure out who I am. And yeah, you can't do that when you've got, the heavy load of perfectionism on your back. Right. And, and I think perfectionism prevents any curiosity because Mm. we're so wrapped up in, yeah, like fitting in a certain box or acting a certain way that we're not, we don't follow the leads. We don't follow the signs. We're not curious to explore things. We take less risk. Mm. Um, We don't, we don't switch careers. We don't, we don't venture out into new things. We don't start businesses. We don't take that idea we have and manifest yeah. it because so good. all that is risk and um, and might not turn out perfect. Okay. I have a great example of that this week that happened to me. Okay. And I was really surprised at myself how I handled this situation. And in retrospect, I'm seeing it's like, oh, yeah, because your wild woman is kind of finally coming back online. So you're going to laugh at this. Okay. My son was in a golf tournament and I am sort of allergic to golf and golf courses in general. I don't play myself. I don't know how it works. I don't know the etiquette. I don't know how to get from hole to hole. I don't know how to read those maps. I don't know how you should stand or be quiet or, and, and quite frankly, like I'm, when I'm there, I'm, I'm kind of crabby. I'm like, I don't like this situation. Right. So my son had a tournament and his dad was not able to be there. Who's a golfer who knows can like show me all the rules. But I bravely went by myself and in the foursome that he was a part of, I was the only parent trailing along and I did not know what I was doing. And I was anxious because I was like, what if I, what if I do the wrong thing? What if I mess up these boys? Like, what if people are like, who's the crazy lady in the hat? You know, you know, wearing a skirt, you don't wear skirts to golf courses. Right. 
But I found myself get into the mode of just curiosity. I'm like, I'm so curious about this. And it's such a beautiful day. And look at this like gorgeous green grass. And so instead of getting pulled too much in that you're doing this wrong, Betsy, you're making an idiot of yourself and everyone's going to know you have no clue what you're doing with golf, right? right? Instead, I was just in the moment and then I was enjoying these young boys and like, they're horrible shots. And then sometimes they'd have a good shot. And so it was, it was a step forward for me. Like I don't, I wouldn't have done that on my own years past. Cause I didn't want to look like an idiot. Right. But this time I just went along and maybe I did look like an idiot, but I enjoyed myself. But you were also super present. I was really present and not worrying about letting go of yeah. the idea of what someone might think. Yeah. Oh, I love that story. I was at an, equally at a golf tournament this week. You might have uh, been at the same one. I think, I think it was across <laughs> town. Um, and golf is such a perfection sport. Mm. I mean, when we think about yeah. sports too. Um, and I think sometimes, we, I mean, I'm thinking about the athletes we've interviewed. There's, there is a sense of, um, you know, high achievement in athletics, um, but the perfectionism, it can bleed over into perfectionism too. My daughter played tennis and oh my God, like that feeds that, like, yeah. you know, so, but there's also athletics teaches us, you know, to, to try to persevere. fail, to get back, yeah. to persevere, to, yeah. And so, um, I, I think there's great opportunity to explore if you can not, get caught up in the yeah, perfectionism yeah. Of, of things. But golf is yeah. certainly one of those where, you know, yeah, tuck no in your kidding. shirt, put tuck on your, your shirt. You got to have a, a colored shirt. Yep. All right. So you just brought up your daughter. Uh-huh. Can we talk for a minute about um, whether we've passed perfectionism onto our own children? You know, there are some studies that um, perfectionism can be inherited by kids. That if if one of the parents is sort of, relentless on, you know, doing well, straight A's, achievement, demanding, controlling, critical, you know, that then kids sort of just take on those traits of perfectionism. So, I mean, do you see perfectionism in your own children? Do you, how are you working with that? I'm, I'm just curious. I feel like as I parented, I got better at not passing that on. Mm. And by that, I mean, and I'm the oldest child. My daughter's the oldest. Definitely passed on the unfortunate parts of being kind of the perfectionist older child to my older child. Yeah. I, I know that looking back. Like, yeah. And, um, but I think I've talked about, there was a time when I was like, just please get a B, please get a B. And that was a point where I realized how crippling it was for me and I didn't want that for her. Mm. And then with my middle son, um, I mean, it was my first boy. I feel like I, I let him be, and again, it comes into kind of the gender thing. I think there was a little bit of, well, that's just Charlie. Charlie's, you know, been to the ER three times in two years. <laughs> I mean, that's just Charlie, right? It's, it's not about, I, I, I didn't have that same expectation. I let him be much more curious and explore and then by the third one, I mean, he's parenting me at this point. So it's, it's hard to <laughs> say parenting you, yeah. <laughs> but I think as I've evolved and recognized those things in myself, mm. I've tried to parent mm. with more awareness and consciousness. Mm. Um, but it's certainly, I think it's with the daughter too. Like 
it's like watching your life again in some ways and thinking, oh, it's, you know, 30 years later and it still looks like that. Yeah. Um, I remember that feeling. I remember like she's having a similar experience that I had. And so it's, it's so important to step back and let her have her own experience and not want to try Mm -hmm. to like make things okay. Um, Someone told me once that you want your child to have their heart broken for the first time when they live with you. Yeah, I believe that. Or has something really hard happen. Hard happen, yeah. Heartbroken so in any way, right? So that you, you're there to support them and yeah. help them through it. And to know that, that they will get through it. Yeah. Um, and that did happen for, for, for her when she was still home. But, um, but yes, we, that is a conversation, though, that we openly have. Mm. Um, she will tell me when I'm being too, you know. Well, we had her on the podcast. Oh, yeah. I know. She She's not afraid that. to tell you. No, I love that, that about yeah. Meg. Yeah. And it's hard mm-hmm. to hear sometimes, but, um, you know, someday she'll get, have a daughter probably that will tell her you sound like your yeah. mom. <laughs> so I love them back. I love what you brought up in that you as the oldest daughter sort of replayed things with your oldest daughter. And I'm thinking about my oldest son and his father, who was the oldest and watching how he's doing the similar pattern, Mm -hmm. right? That like that, you know, that, that perfectionism or that achievement is sort of being passed to my eldest son, Yeah, but it makes sense of course. And now, and it's making me think, well, I was the youngest daughter and I have a young daughter. So like, what is that? What am I passing on to her? And so it's fascinating, but I do think just this conversation of our awareness that is, and again, this is our theme of this podcast. We come back to it over and over, like do your inner work, go in, know thyself, right? Clear your shit out so that you don't put it onto the next generation. And on top of it, if you clear your shit out, you're probably helping the generations that came before you, right? Right. So this idea of, it seems like for both of us, we have shed a lot of the early perfectionism of those early years. It still pops up for us. It still still catches me, right? From yep. time to time. But hopefully we are not pushing it on our children in the way that our culture pushed it on us maybe early on. Yeah. And yet they have now this added layer of social media, which we didn't have. So how is that going to then impact yeah. and, and I think their fears I, of what other people think? Yeah. And I know from my daughter's standpoint, I mean, she's 22 now, but she, she will go off it at times. She's she not needs a super break. engaged. Yeah. It, she recognizes the kind of what, how it impacts her. Yeah. Which is really, I, I love that at a young age, she can sense and feel it and know it. And then she'll just step away from it. Yeah. So, um, but it definitely is an added pressure, an added layer of comparison. Yeah, I agree. And it, I agree. So, but there are, uh, in another book that we will put in the show notes is, are the gifts of imperfection. By Brene Brown. And mm-hmm. um, I've given this book to young girls at graduation because um, right on the front, it says, let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are. Yeah. And the sooner... And the younger. So as we do our work, if we can help our daughters and, you know, other young women recognize these patterns and um, support them in being who they are and exploring who they are and embracing who they are, then um, 
we all become more authentic. The world becomes more authentic. The, the conversations are more real. The experiences we have with one another feel supportive. And yeah. all of that, I think, is the ripple effect of, of people letting go of, especially women letting go of perfection. Yeah. That's so good. So I pulled a book off my shelf that oh. I reread yesterday and then I brought it to your office and, and it is the you cutest it. little book and oh. yeah and I looked at um it's a hard copy so the book is called Being Perfect by Anna Quindlin who's a really well-known author she's written a lot of novels and beautiful books but um I looked back on when this was published 2005 mm-hmm. and I it, this is a hard co- hard cover copy or hard yeah, hardcover. <laughs> and um, I think I bought it right after it came out. I, I have a sense that I was probably at Prairie Lights and it was, you know, out there and I picked it up. And I remember reading it and I remember I would have been in private practice, early, early private practice, like a year in. And I remember I had it on my shelf. And I remember giving it to a lot of people to read. Do you even notice in the front cover, I have like a stamp of my name because I would give it to people because it's such a quick read and there's so many parts to it yeah. that just, oh, they just touch home. And then the, the images in this book. The images are, are the one that astounding. sticks with me is the women from like the 1950s who have like books. textbooks on their heads, their heads so that they have good posture. That's the, I did that. Ah! I remember, I remember my mom that. used to talk about that she she did that in yeah. college. But I mean, I would do it just because I heard about yeah my mom and grandma yeah um, just to see if I could do it. And, um, I loved reading it after you because there were so many underlying parts. Because <laughs> that's um, what I do to all my books. <laughs> I love that, and and it's fun to read a book after another woman who does that because yeah. it connects you. You know, I was like, oh, this really resonated with her. And, yeah, and I, I I bet I know why or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But there's one line in here. What is really hard and really amazing is giving, giving up, up on being, being perfect and beginning, beginning the, the work, work of, of becoming, becoming yourself. And that's yeah. what this whole podcast is about. Yeah. Yeah, really. Um, and it doesn't matter if you start that work at 20 or 30 or 50 or 80. Mm-hmm. Like rewilding and becoming yourself um, is hard and amazing. Yeah. Both, both and. Both and. Both really hard and really gut-wrenching and really challenging and the best, most important work you'll ever do. Yeah. One of my best childhood memories um, with my sisters and, you know, three girls, I think I talked about, like, we, we always had cute dresses and went to church every Saturday night. Um, and... You know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she is an amazing woman. And she, you know, she always she always wanted you know what was best for us, and she was always there for us. And I remember this afternoon, uh, there was a storm that blew through, and then it was just raining. And she's like, "Girls, go get on your swimsuits." And I remember this so well. We just ran outside. We were in the mud. I think I was, there's a photo of us under an umbrella, all wet in our swimsuits. I'll try to find it. And she um, was kind of out there with us in the rain. And it was kind of an anomaly of just like, you know, 
And I remember, yes. And I remember that moment feeling so good. And then having that photo to always look back on it. But, um, you know, do those things with your kids. Like I, I look back, my kids are older now, but, um, those are the moments, the moments where you just are free. And there's so many times when our kids have to do certain things and follow the rules and be in the box and do things that those are the memories that I think that they keep. And, mm-hmm. and those examples and giving permission to let go, to go get wild. dirty, go, go get, get in the dirty. mud, go mm-hmm. right. And, and it reminds us too to do that. Yeah. Just by joining in. So, yeah. so get, go get your swimsuits on listeners today <laughs> and go run outside, run in the rain. All right. Thanks for this conversation. Thanks Betsy. And now the amazing singer songwriter, Lissy Morris with wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week. Fifty 